Okay, ladies, we're doing the uh, Beatitudes, and we're talking about the attitudes that we should have, that the attitudes that should be in our life. Uh, this week, <clears throat> Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Or the New American Standard said they shall be satisfied. Now, <clears throat> I want to remind you, these Beatitudes are referring primarily to spiritual matters, not physical conditions, as Chris pointed out. It isn't about the physical food and thirst. Um, and a reminder that blessed means supremely blessed. It's having received God's favor, regardless of our circumstances. It's having as being in a state of blessedness and joy. We started out looking at the poor in spirit, who are those who recognize their sinfulness, they mourn over their sin. They realize that all have sinned, so they have a meek attitude knowing that we all fall short. They have strength under control. It's that strength um, yet with restraint. So when you see things that bother you, you, you don't lash out. You don't react in the flesh. And now if you follow that progression, the next step is to hunger and thirst for more of Christ's righteousness, for more of that right standing in the Lord, the more of right doing um, that we would exhibit as believers who hunger and thirst for more of the Lord. Now, in general, righteousness means justification. It is to have an eternal heart that is right with God, knowing that we are sinners and that there is nothing we can do to earn our righteousness, to um, deserve righteousness on our own apart from Jesus. We're kind of in a lost, helpless, hopeless state. But God, two of my favorite words, but God, through Jesus, who alone is righteous, we can become righteous before God through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not anything that we've earned or done on our own other than to thank the Lord for dying in our place and paying our penalty. And as believers, we put our trust in the Lord and then he covers us in his robe of righteousness. So as believers, though, as Christians, we should long to be pleasing to the one who saved us. We don't save ourselves, but we should want to please the one who did save us, the one who covers us in his righteousness. On our own, outwardly, we cannot be declared righteous because legally we break the law. And I'm not just talking... The, the laws of the land, but the spiritual laws. We break God's law. We're sinners. We can't not and won't be declared righteous legally on our own. Inwardly, we cannot be declared morally righteous because our motives quite often in what we do will be selfish or self-centered. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We deceive ourselves. We think, oh, this was the right thing to do, and oh, I'm so proud, I'm humble. I teased people a couple of weeks ago. Right? It's self-centeredness, and so we're never going to be declared morally righteous on our own. But when we're saved, we come into a right standing with the Lord because of Jesus. We are legally declared justified. And I love that Etch-A-Sketch toy that the kids have. You turn the dials, you fill the screen, right? But in Christ, it's like you turn it over, shake it, turn it back, and it's a clean slate. And that's how we are in Christ. 
He covers us. He removes the stain of our sin through his blood. And we're given a new nature. That new nature as we become new creatures in Christ, in a sense, we're given a new morality. We no longer want to live just to please our flesh. We are given a new heart that desires to do rightly before the Lord. So we can be supremely blessed and because we've received God's favor, regardless of our circumstances. And in a sense, then we can experience the blessedness and the joy of being right with God, of being his child, of being his bride, of knowing there was nothing we did to earn that acceptance in Christ. We're accepted in the beloved because of Jesus, because of God's love, and because we put faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. So what is it then to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Since in essence, we're already declared righteous before God. Well, let's first consider, I'm going to kind of go over three things. What is it to hunger and thirst? Well, number one, what is our spiritual appetite? This beatitude, the Matthew 5, 6 beatitude, is referring to having a spiritual appetite and the words Jesus used for hunger and thirst would have conveyed to his audience, to those listening to him, how hungry and thirsty he was saying believers should be spiritually. Now, the average person in Jesus' day, the average person that would have been there, worked very hard. They didn't have a walk-in pantry. They didn't have a market on every corner. They usually earned just enough money to get by. Maybe they had meat once a week. Um, they didn't have running water. They couldn't just turn on the tap and get a drink anytime they wanted. There wasn't bottled water. Um, there wasn't a Starbucks or a coffee shop, you know, on every corner or any corner for that matter. And so they just, they would have known this hunger and thirst on a daily basis. But it went even beyond the normal daily hunger and thirst. Um, I... I can't explain all of it, but in the Greek, these verbs indicated more than just someone that was hungry and thirsty. It went, it explained the depth and the extent of their hunger and thirst. Different words would have indicated that they were to hunger for like a piece of bread or a cup of water. But the words, the way they were used, the way Jesus used them, indicated that they should hunger for the whole loaf, not just a piece of bread. They should thirst for the whole pitcher, not just a cup. That was the extent of what their spiritual appetite should be. Um, when you think about being hungry, really hungry, really, really, really hungry, you usually can't think of much else other than getting something to eat. Maybe you get cranky and you're single-focused. Um, Sarah this summer talked about how the Lord invites us to come and dine at his table and talked about the importance of uh, being nourished physically and then likened it to the spiritual nourishment we need. Same with the, the thirsting and having our thirst quenched. When you're thirsty, when you're dying of thirst, we usually say, ah, I'm dying of thirst. Well, we're really not that. We're not out in the desert without water for a week where you really are dying, but we we say it that way, and you can't wait to have a sip of something that's going to quench your thirst. And when you do eat, you're satisfied, right? You feel full and content. And when you do drink, you feel better. Your thirst is quenched. 
So to hunger and thirst here is to crave and intensely desire to be filled. I want to read to you from Psalm 63, verse 1. Um, it was a verse I came across the other day and thought the Lord wanted me to add it to my notes. But Psalm 63, 1. Now listen to how the, the psalmist um, expressed his uh, spiritual appetite. In verse 1, O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And how would you describe your spiritual appetite? I wish I could be in every group and listen to the way you described your spiritual appetite because that was one of the questions in the lesson. What is your hunger and thirst? How deep is it for spiritual things? So that's the spiritual appetite we should have. Number two, Matthew 5, 6, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, if we are made righteous in Christ already, then what is this beatitude referring to? What righteousness was the Lord telling us that we should intensely desire and crave hunger and thirst after? It indicates we're to intensely desire to do right in God's sight, to do those right things, not for salvation, but because of our salvation. We are to strongly desire goodness in our character, in our, in our conduct, not to earn our salvation, but because of our salvation. It's to hunger and thirst for godliness, for godly living, for godly virtues. It's desire to be pleasing to the Lord, doing those things that please him. It's to desire to draw closer and closer to the Lord, to know him more, to obey him more. And so often we fail in our attempts, don't we? But it's the desire that the Lord wants us to have. H.G. Wells has been quoted as saying, a man may be a bad musician and yet be passionately in love with music. I feel that way when I come to church to worship. I'm not a very good singer, but I love to worship the Lord. So it's the intent, it's the desire that we have. It's the passion, the goal, the purpose, the motive of our heart. That should be how we are passionately seeking after those things of the Lord, pursuing the Lord and those things spiritual. Let me ask a few questions. Do you crave more of the Lord? He is the bread of life. Do you thirst and crave the living water, who Jesus referred to as the Holy Spirit? You crave his word. Do you intensely desire to be more obedient? Do you long for more worship? Do you long for more time in prayer? Do you hate to see injustice in the world? Do you hate to see unrighteousness? Those are those things that we should be seeking after, intensely craving and desiring. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, But you, O man of God, or, or o, o woman of God, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. In Psalm 42.1, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. In verse, first half of verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We sing that song, as the deer pants, right, for the water brook, so my soul longeth after thee. Psalm 27.4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire 
in his temple. You're inquiring in his temple because you're here today. You're wanting to draw close. You are hungering and thirsting for more of the Lord. Jesus said of Mary, she had chosen the one thing that was needful, the good part. And what was that? She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. What is your focus? What is your passion? What's your desire? What do you crave? What do you hunger and thirst for? Not just on Thursday morning, not just on Sunday morning, but every day. If it is the Lord and the things of the Lord, the righteousness of Matthew 5, 6, you shall be filled. Number three, you shall be satisfied. You shall be filled. Some of you maybe only eat to stay alive, and I don't like you. But many of us live to eat. We enjoy a good meal. We also enjoy things we probably shouldn't enjoy and be eating. But that's, that's an other message for another time. Sometimes we overeat and then we're miserable. But we can never overeat with the Lord. The things of the Lord will always, we can eat to our fill in an abundance. Spiritually, we don't want to eat just to stay alive spiritually. We don't want to just get by with a snack here or there, just to open your Bible on Sunday morning or to um, just do your lesson. Daily, you should be hungering and thirsting to hear from the Lord, to pray only when you have a crisis or you're desperate. No, we should be talking to the Lord and longing to draw closer to him and to be intimately acquainted with him, to obey when it's convenient, when it's not so, you know, taking you out of your comfort zone. No, we should obey no matter what. To act like a Christian only when you're around other Christians. It's easy to be a Christian in church, isn't it? How about at home? How about out on the road? You know, my Christianity can not be seen when I'm behind the wheel, I guess I should say. No, but, you know, down the 15, towards Tom's Farms, where we live, you know, they, they added this uh, uh, toll or, you know, fast track lane, and it's supposed to make the traffic better on the 15 and the 91 coming into the 15. It's worse. It's worse than it ever was. And people don't want to let you merge. When you have to get on the freeway and you have to get over, they don't want to let you in. They'd rather you run off the side of the road and off a cliff, right? Well, I'm sorry, I'm not in the back of my, behind the wheel saying, oh, God bless you, God bless you. I should be, I admit it, I should be. 1 John 3, 7 says, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, with a capital he, is righteous. When we talk about practicing righteousness or practicing sin, it's a way of life. Are you willfully sinning just in disregard to the word of God and to be, you know, regardless that it's displeasing to the Lord? Or are you practicing righteousness? Is it a way of life where you're wanting to do right because you love the Lord? And think about these things, ladies. How good is it when you read God's word and you hear the Lord speak to you something and you know he just ministered directly to you. How satisfying is that? Or how about when the Lord has you share a verse with someone 
and they receive it and they're so encouraged or comforted or it's like an answer to their prayer. Isn't that satisfying when that happens? And how good is it when you worship the Lord and you felt so filled through the sweet communion that you just experienced, whether you're doing it at home or coming to church and doing it with the body of Christ? How content do you feel when, when you've chosen to obey, even when it was difficult for you to? How good it feels when we see God honored and righteousness prevail, which out in the news, we don't see that very often. But regardless of how you feel about our president, weren't you rejoicing that his running mate was a born-again Christian who stood up for Jesus, who stood up for righteousness? That's got to be satisfying. That's got to fill our hearts with joy um, because we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And that is an area where we can rejoice. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. There is a future fulfillment to this beatitude when we are home with the Lord, but it's also right now today. We can enjoy the blessedness and the joy of hungering and thirsting for righteousness and knowing the Lord is going to satisfy us. We can be content no matter what our circumstances are. Ephesians 5.18, we're told, don't be drunk with wine or under the influence of wine, and I would add the things of the world, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ye being filled. It's a continual, ongoing filling, a satisfaction of being influenced so filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit of God, who will, of course, uh, stir your heart to hunger and thirst for more righteousness, for more of Jesus. He's the one that helps you to do rightly, to be in right standing with the Lord, and then to do rightly as a result. So stay filled up with the Holy Spirit. Barclay sums up this beatitude, or he would word this beatitude. Oh, the bliss of those who long for total righteousness as the starving long for food and those perishing of thirst long for water, for they will be truly satisfied. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you satisfy our longing soul. Lord, stir our hunger and our thirst. I know, Lord, we go through dry spells and yet that's when we should pursue you even more and the things of you, Lord, the things of your kingdom. So, Lord, have your way. Stir our hearts to a, a deeper hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we thank you, Lord, that no matter what's going on in our world or in our own individual world, Lord, we can be satisfied. We can have uh, joy. We can be supremely blessed because, Lord, you want us to live above these things. And so, Lord, thank you for filling us. Thank you for covering us in your righteousness. And thank you, Lord, for working in our hearts that we would want to do righteously as well. So, Lord, I pray you bless the discussion groups. May the women minister one to another and continue to give us understanding of this beatitude, Lord, and the application you want us to make to our own individual lives as we walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for again this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.